It's on page 1201. So Hebrews 1. In the past, God spoke to our ancestors through the prophets at many times and in various ways. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things, and through whom also he made the universe. The Son is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty in heaven. So he became as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited is superior to theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have become your father. Or again, I will be his father and he will be my son. And again, when God brings his firstborn into the world, he says, Let all God's angels worship him. In speaking of the angels, he says, He makes his angels spirits and his servants flames of fire. But about the sun, he says, Your throne, O God, will last forever and ever. A scepter of justice will be the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has set you above your companions by anointing you with the oil of joy. Isaiah chapter 9 And starting at verse 2. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as warriors rejoice when dividing the plunder. For as in the day of Midian's defeat... You have shattered the yoke that burdens them, the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor. Every warrior's boot used in battle and every garment rolled in blood will be destined for burning, will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born and to us a son is given and the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. Let's just bow our heads and ask God to help us to understand the Bible tonight. Father, we pray that you would open our minds to your word. And we pray, Lord, you'd help us to understand this rightly and wisely. And then work it through in our lives, we pray for Jesus' sake. Amen. This is a slightly altered version of uh, uh, one of our traditional Christmas readings from the Bible. There were in the country children 
keeping watch over their stockings by a fireplace. And lo, Santa Claus came upon them, and they were sore afraid. And Santa saith unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great toys, which will be to all people who can afford them. For unto you will be given great feasts of turkey, stuffing and pudding, and many presents. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the presents wrapped in bright paper, lying beneath a tree, adorned with tinsel, colored balls and lights. And thou shalt open thy presents and say, thank you so much, it was just what I wanted, socks. And suddenly there shall appear a multitude of relatives and distant friends of your parents praising you and saying, haven't you grown and don't you look like your father? And it shall come to pass, adults shall wear silly paper hats, eat too much and lo, they shall slumber in front of the television. And teenagers shall graze in the kitchen and wear embarrassing Christmas jumpers and put off their thank you emails until June. And thou shalt be amazed and ponder these things in your hearts, what shall be just as thou hast been told. So here endeth the third reading. Well, Christmas uh, is not just about presents and turkey and stuffing and Christmas pudding and embarrassing relatives, is it? There's, uh, there's much more than that. And uh, uh, I'm sure you wouldn't expect me to say it is just about presents and stu- turkey and stuffing and Christmas pudding and embarrassing relatives, because if it is, then frankly, we might as well just go home now, really. Um, but I want to take us to um, our second reading there, to Isaiah chapter 9, and just stand back a little bit and get a bigger picture of what Isaiah is saying. Now, we may well be familiar with verse, for instance, verse 6 there. It's on page 694, if you'd like to turn to it. And it says here, uh, For us, to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. But what about the surrounding verses? And that's where I want to start and ask the question, well, Christmas means what? Well, there are four things you'll see on the back of our order of service. The first one is to say that Christmas means hope. Christmas means hope. Now, here we have Isaiah writing, probably around about 750 years give or take a fair few, before Jesus was born. And he's talking about the results of Jesus' birth and life and death and post-death existence in the past tense. Although he's writing 750 years or whatever before Jesus was even born. And as we look back now, over 2,000 years to Jesus and his birth and his life and his death and his post-death existence, his resurrection, we can see every last detail of what Isaiah said makes sense. And in Jesus, is coming true. So he begins this little section here. He says, The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Now when he talks there about walking in darkness, uh, Isaiah is describing there a world walking in darkness, walking with evil and suffering, walking in pain, walking in separation, walking in ignorance. But a world has now seen... A great light. 
Deep darkness, yes, but the first rays of light are just coming. Now, uh, um, I've got a, a mountain bike, and I like to get up on downs, and the uh, best time for me is early in the morning. So these days, I go out, and it's dark, pitch black, but then the first rays of sunlight, uh, I just begin to see the, the sky getting a bit red over Brighton uh, as, um, as I'm there. And, and then the dawn just begins to come, and it gradually gets lighter and lighter. And that's what Christmas is. It is dawn over a dark land. Dawn over a dark land. And the light means hope. Jesus' birth brings hope to a dark world. It brings hope of a better future. And ultimately, a better future beyond death. Because Christians believe that Jesus came, and then he died, and then he was raised from the dead, and that all who believe in him, that is, commit themselves to him, have a great hope beyond death. Now, we've had a number of uh, funerals in this building uh, just recently, some quite big funerals in recent weeks of, uh, of church members. On the one hand... Sad occasions, of course, but actually also characterized by hope. The firm and clear hope that all Christian people have of a life beyond death, a life in heaven, a glorious eternity. And Christmas means hope. If there was no Christmas, then we would not have been remembering with great thanksgiving and with confident hope our friends have gone before us over these past few weeks. Because Jesus draws back the curtains on the dawn of hope. Second, Christmas means joy. I really hope you have a joyful Christmas tomorrow. It's meant to be a joyful day, Christmas day. And uh, verse 3 here, for instance, talks about joy. You've enlarged the nation and increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. Um, he talks there about a joy which comes when God invades his land. Uh, it talks about the joy of a great harvest. It talks about the joy when they win a battle, or we might say the joy of getting married, or the joy of passing exams, or whatever. And God becomes a man, born as a baby in Bethlehem, and we should rejoice. Of course, we naturally rejoice when, uh, when a couple have a baby. Uh, and Christmas is a time for joy. I'd say possibly, probably the best day of the year, unless you want to give an accolade to Easter Day, as Christian believers. A great and a wonderful day of rejoicing and thanksgiving and celebration. And you know, God loves this world so much that he came here, that he lived here, that he taught here, he healed people here, he died for us here, he rose again here on this earth that, and that should be a cause of great joy that God loves us that he came here to be with us he came for us and that joy you know it goes beyond circumstances so uh, many years ago now a guy called Richard Wurmbrandt had been imprisoned uh, in communist eastern Europe uh, and his testimony was this alone in my cell cold and hungry and in rags I danced for joy every night. Sometimes I was so filled with joy, I felt I would burst if I didn't give it expression. 
and Christmas then has that potential to change our lives. It is the dawning of joy. And we can, if when we grasp what Jesus, who Jesus was and is, what he came for, why he came to this earth, and when we know him and when we know his love for us, the result can and will and so often is a deep down joy in our hearts that transcends our understanding. Christmas is about joy, hope and joy. And third, freedom. If you've got your Bibles open, just in in verses 4 and 5 there, it talks about uh, Midian, uh, the defeat of Midian. And uh, and he's talking here uh, about um, a freedom from oppression. And he uses a military picture there, when oppression was ended. And this is uh, looking forward to a day when all forces that oppose God will be defeated. That is the devil and all his works and all who follow him in the end. Defeated forever. And when the devil is finally thrown down, when Jesus returns to this earth, there will be freedom. Complete, perfect, total freedom. Which will last forever. No more oppression and no more enemies. And Jesus' birth is, if you like, the trigger, the trigger for great acts of God in history, which will end and will result in the overthrow of all evil from the universe and freedom, complete, total, and perfect freedom for all who are gods. Now, Isaiah writes here um, poetically, uh, and it's a great picture of a wonderful victory over evil at the end of time. That's what he gives us. Uh, And if you like, the starting gun to rid the world of evil was found in Bethlehem. At that world and universe changing event 2,000 years ago. Christmas means hope, joy, freedom and finally peace. Now, way back in 1962, there were a couple of missionaries, as they were known as then, um, called Don and Carol Richardson. And they went to what is now known as Papua New Guinea. Uh, And they were going to work with the cannibalistic tribe that was called the Sawi. And the Sawi actually had a division, a split right down the middle. And they just hated each other, and they were effectively at war with each other. And the Richardsons uh, uh, were there for a fair while. They made no obvious progress, and they just decided, well, I think probably might be best to be moving on. But the Sawi uh, begged them to stay, and they promised to make peace in the morning if the Richardsons stayed. And they said, okay, well, let's see what happens. We'll stay on, and we'll see what happens. And then the next morning, the two tribes lined up on either side of a clearing, And they were watching and seeing what was going to be going on. And then uh, suddenly a man dashed into his hut, grabbed a newborn child, and with an agonized expression on his face, he ran across the the clearing uh, with his wife screaming behind him, holding her baby, and gave the baby to the other half of the tribe on the other side of the clearing. And then moments later, another father ran the other way, back to their side, clasping uh, a little baby as well, and presented it to the first tribe. And the idea was that as long as the two babies remained alive, 
that there would be peace between the tribes. And it worked. And as the uh, Richardsons saw this ceremony unfold, uh, they realized that they could use that and they could talk about a perfect peace child called Jesus. And from that moment onwards, their ministry there really began to blossom. And then uh, several years later on, on Christmas Day, there were hundreds of the Sawi tribes people there gathered together from both tribes to celebrate Christmas together. And one of them began their feast by reading Isaiah chapter 9, as Lizzie read for us this evening. Well, Jesus is also a peace child, but not quite in the same way. He's actually called the Prince of Peace in verse 6 there. And verse 7 talks about the peace that he brings. For the Sawi, their peace was maintained by keeping the two children alive. For us, our peace is procured and it is assured by our baby growing up and dying. Our peace, peace with God, was won, was achieved, was sacrificed by Jesus' death. His sacrifice of his death brought us peace. And that's actually why it's appropriate at uh, the midnight service on Christmas Eve that we remember that Jesus came to buy our peace, to win our peace, to pay for our peace by dying, by giving himself for us. So that that barrier that exists between human beings and God, that problem that exists there, that barrier of our own making where naturally we are rebels, and God's will for our lives, uh, we're rebelling against that. And we've declared independence of God. And that barrier is there. But that baby of Bethlehem grew up and lived and died for us. So that that rebellion could be removed. And we could live with him as our elder brother for all eternity. Quite extraordinary. So Christmas means hope and joy and freedom and peace. That's what came, Jesus came to give us and much, much more as well. But those four things here in outline that Isaiah is talking about. And how does that hope and joy and freedom and peace happen? Again, it's in that well-known verse 6. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. The government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. There is a baby, a child, who is the King, the Ruler, God with us. And we can see here his rule, his good rule. His global rule, his growing rule, his forever rule. It is simply because Jesus is the King who died for us, who now lives for us, 
that we can have hope and joy and freedom and peace this Christmas time and forever. So yeah, Christmas is about a stable or wherever exactly Jesus was born and shepherds, wise men, angels. And it is also, and more importantly, about a baby being born so that those who put their trust in him may have hope and joy and freedom and peace beyond their wildest dreams now and forever. Have a great Christmas. And if you'd like to find out more, we're starting Alpha courses in January. Um, probably, if you want to find out more, talk to me or Tim at the end, or just scribble your email address or a uh, mobile number or something on the back of one of those Get Connected cards in the chair in front of you. Pop it in the collection box and we'll be in touch.